up, everybody? Welcome to episode 103 of the 2QB Experience Podcast. My name is Greg Smith, and I'm your host. And on this episode of the 2QB XP, I'm joined by Mike Alexander of Lineup Logic, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, and Razball. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Juan, like Obi-Wan. I imagine that's where the avatar comes from, right, Mike? It is, it is. What's going on, Greg? Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Well, uh, I, I'm on in a remote location uh, recording this podcast. I'm actually traveling for uh, my day job and, uh, as usual, recording during Monday Night Football. But that means, you know, here in the Eastern time zone, it's a little bit later for me. So uh, it's it's going to have to be a, a little sloppier, a little faster, looser, all that good <laughs> stuff. And I'm sure the, the listeners can can understand that and appreciate it to some extent. Um but, yeah, what, what, what's been going on with you, Mike, in terms of your fantasy output? I know you've been doing this uh, propagandan stuff over at Rasball because I've, I've been submitting my picks every week. And I, I did good the first week, but, man, the listeners are starting to heat up. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting mix of, uh, you know, 50-50 props and then, you know, proposition bets that I try to you snag people on that you really shouldn't venture down the option B, but sometimes you can't help yourself. Um, <laughs> You know, but uh, like a, it's it's generally a dozen props that I I try to blend whatever the week's storylines are. Um, you know, prop bets are starting to become more and more popular as sports gambling is getting legalized in more and more places. So um, it's a fun way for the touts and the the public to interact and and just kind of yeah. You know, I find prop bets uh, fascinating and uh, have have enjoyed them ever since doing my first Super Bowl prop uh, contest. I have a buddy who organizes a, a Vegas trip for his birthday that weekend before the Super Bowl every year. And that's one of my funnest things about one of the funnest things to me about that trip is mm-hmm. going to the sports books and looking at, you know, that extensive list of props they get. Um, what's the favorite prop that you've come up with so far uh, when you've been doing these contests? Uh, I probably shouldn't say it on this podcast, but I, I, I was really harping on Alex Smith yardage <laughs> props for a little while. <laughs> And I'm a big Alex Smith fan, so maybe, maybe it's coming from a place of hurt, uh, you know, deep down inside. <laughs> um, you know, some some fun stuff like who's going to get more yards, the running the running back he's facing, or his passing yardage. Um, a lot of fun stuff with like the Bucks passing game, because you know the the, the Tampa Bay quarterback is usually good for 400 yards, uh, things like that. So you can you can get pretty creative um, with with the statistical world we're living in in today's NFL. Well, one player you're not going to get to prop anymore, at least in the short term, is Blake Bortles, who has officially been benched for Cody Kessler. Uh, Kessler is going to be the starter in Jacksonville going forward, and the Jags weren't done making moves there. They fired offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, uh, so the new play caller for the Jags is going to be quarterbacks coach Scott Milanovic, and uh, they sent their left guard Andrew Norwell to injured reserve. It's just been a really bad season for Jacksonville, and I'm curious what you're making of this going forward, uh, and specifically at the quarterback position. Do you think this could be a similar situation to the aforementioned Bucks quarterbacks, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, I mean, I guess by that I'm asking, do you think that Bortles could still start another game or two for Jacksonville this season? Because it's not like Kessler is is a great backup option either. Um, right. And so ultimately what I'm getting at here is, do you think that fantasy owners in two quarterback leagues should be thinking about holding Blake Bortles at this point in the year, or is it okay to just cut bait? Cut bait. What do you think? It wouldn't surprise me if we see Bortles again. And my primary reasoning with that is that they're on the hook for at least another year of his contract. Uh, they, they've got like 20 million in dead cap next year. They can't cut him. 
so he's going to be back next season. You probably don't want to pay your backup $20 million. You know, uh, there's been some situations um, like Brock Osweiler where things like that have happened. But, uh, you know, my my reading of the tea leaves here, which it's pretty hard to do with everything that happened today in Jacksonville. But I think the organization is trying to send a message. This this is not good enough. The effort we're seeing is, you know, insufficient. We need to know who's going to be here next year. We fired the offensive coordinator. We're, we're benching our starting quarterback. We need to see people care about about their jobs, and that's going to determine who's here next year. So, I could see a couple games from now, um, Bortles getting getting inserted back in, you know, weeks 15, 16, just to see if if he can get a little bit of a, you know, a, a, some momentum to come into 2019 with. Do you see this affecting any of the weapons there for the Jaguars, any of the wide receivers or running backs or tight ends? The move from Bortles to Kessler. Not really. I think Kessler can do pretty much the same things they've been asking Bortles to do. Maybe even better. He's, you know, Kessler isn't a great NFL quarterback, but he seems fairly efficient when he's not asked to do too much. Uh, they're they're still a, a run first team. They're going to finish the season that way, which is why I really don't get firing the offensive coordinator. He was giving you what you asked for, you know, and and you scapegoated him. So um, that one that one was a head scratcher. I I, I would have thought benching Bortles was enough of a message but you know um, losing Leonard Fournette is probably the, the bigger effect on this offense because uh, they were really kind of dead in the water without him um, and, you know, kind of driving that offense at least the way they wanted to run it right you're we're talking right. about a team that wants to be run first in an age of NFL offense where passing is you know never been better and that, that's something that's kind of continually frustrated me with the Jaguars and the Bortles experience is that they've been so married to this, you know, defense and running game plan that I don't know. I just, it, it just seems backwards. Um, and honestly, I, I agree with you. I think the move to Kessler might even be better for the type of games they want to play. Uh, whether or not that is, you know, a good idea in the modern NFL is a, is a different story. But in terms of fantasy, I, I think we're not going to see. I mean, Kessler is not known for his arm, so we're not going to see quite as many deep throws. I think this does hurt uh, D.D. Westbrook, um, you know, Keelan Cole to some extent. Uh, but I think that short passing game could still pick it up. And actually, I don't know about Keelan Cole. I'd have to check his A dot. I don't know generally where he's targeted for the most part. Um, so that's something I, I need to look into. But I think this does bode well enough for the running backs there, maybe for the tight ends too. I think Kessler is going to be a check down artist, and those are the types of players that we want to be targeting. Um let, let's dive more into what we saw in Week 12. And, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend is always an interesting one because we get those three early games instead of just one. And it breaks yeah. up the week to some extent. It makes DFS really weird. I, I don't know if you have any, uh, you know, DFS stories to share from Week 12. But um, in general, let's let's talk some of the, the major news that came out of this weekend. And the first is Melvin Gordon spraying his MCL. And I'm curious if you think this raises the appeal of Phillip Rivers, specifically in two quarterback formats, because Rivers was kind of already locked in as a steady, you know, guy in that QB8 to QB15 range, or he was finishing in that range most weeks. Um, so right. I don't, I don't think this necessarily does a ton to impact his value. He might have to throw a little bit more, um, but I think this probably does more to his playmakers' fantasy values. You know, Austin Eckler having to step up, of course, but maybe some extra running back support from Justin Jackson, uh, the rookie they just drafted. Uh, and then, you know, the receivers there, too, maybe getting a small uptick in usage. So how do you see this playing out for uh, the Chargers? 
Yeah, I think on the running back split there, it, you're going to see Jackson kind of handle Gordon's rushing role, and you're going to see Eckler continue his pass-catching role. It'll probably be a little bit enhanced there. I think he caught 10 passes uh, on Sunday. Uh, so it'll just kind of be split down the middle is my expectation. I don't think Eckler is going to go nuts on a consistent basis. I mean, he could have some spike games. I think people are, are you know, maybe going a little bit overboard with, with their, their fab bids for Eckler this week, but I get it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a prime offense. There's not a lot uh, coming in the way of help. As far as rivers goes, uh, you know, he's actually been remarkably consistent um, this year. He's either thrown two or three touchdowns every single game. Now, that was actually one of the props in Propagandon was, was will he throw two, three, or any other number? <laughs> but I, I don't think – I think any gains in, you know, not having a playmaker like Gordon that, that they're going to turn to Rivers will be offset by losing that playmaker in that the offense won't run quite as well without Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I saw somebody tweeting about this earlier in, in regards to the one game where – Eckler kind of stepped in for Gordon uh, in, in a bigger way. I think that was week seven or week eight. Yeah. Do you remember what week that was by chance? Uh, seven sounds right to me. Yeah, seven. Let's, I'm going to look this up uh, as we go here. But essentially the tweet was talking about how in that game, Eckler saw a huge usage. Uh, it was like 95 snap share, 95% snap share or something along those lines. And I think that that is telling to some extent that, yes, they trust Eckler more than their other options behind Gordon. But with that said, they've had time to prepare for this, right? They, they know that Melvin Gordon sprained his uh, MCL a week in advance. So they have an entire week here to yeah. implement a game plan that, you know, could, you know, feature more of uh, Justin Jackson. And so, yeah, if I'm looking at this right. Yeah, uh, and the only note on that that I would also add is that, that Jackson was – he was – you know, waived by them um, coming out of uh, the preseason and then signed to the practice squad, I believe. So he may not have quite been ready to, to handle the load that uh, he is now. Yeah, and so I've, I've got this now. I'm looking at airyards.com, looking at snap share of the running backs. And, yeah, Eckler handled 95% of the snaps. Justin Jackson played 11% of the game. So, yeah, I, I don't think we can have huge expectations for Jackson here. But with that said, I think that he becomes a really intriguing handcuff. Uh, a player that if Eckler were to get hurt, kind of just by default, Jackson would become a, a very valuable commodity. And I think that does make him worth uh, picking up this week uh, off waiver wires. Because I imagine Eckler is going to be owned in most places. Um, another injury that we have to talk about is Andy Dalton spraining his thumb in his throwing hand. He went on to IR today. Uh, Jeff Driscoll is going to take over as the starter for the Bengals. How do you prioritize Driscoll versus Cody Kessler if you were on a two-quarterback waiver wire this week? I think my priority would be with the guy that's that's got the more clear path to playing time, being Driscoll with with Dolan on IR. You know, Driscoll would really have to to underperform, um, especially with how conservative that organization is. Uh, you know, if they're naming him the starter, I expect them to stick with that for a little while. Um, and he seems, you know, kind of kind of the same thing as Cody Kessler, uh, uh, capable in, in a limited role. And I think that's probably where the Bengals are going to be. They're a little more um, offensively progressive than the than the Jags, but they're still a uh, the whole decision making in Cincinnati is just such a disaster. I mean, they. As soon as Hugh Jackson was was on the street, they went and snatched him up. So I think that tells you all you need to know. 
Yeah, and the thing I, I, I like to see from Driscoll in that game where he took over just now was the fact that he got in on a rushing touchdown. And, I mean, he only carried the ball three times for nine yards, but the fact that they're willing to use him like that and be a little bit more creative with him because he is the backup, like, I think that's important. Like, we're seeing that happen with... Lamar Jackson we're seeing that happen with Josh Allen to some extent we know these guys are limited in a you know NFL quarterback capacity but as athletes they're you know still going to be fine for the most part like most NFL players are good athletes right, right. and so I, I think that there there might be some sneaky Konami code value with Driscoll um, I, mm-hmm. I agree that he's got to be the guy to prioritize for that reason right you, you get a guy who's basically locked in as the starter whereas as we discussed previously Bortles could come back and, and retake the job in Jacksonville what if we were weighing those two options against some of the other quarterbacks that we could be speculating on? Like, let's say Colt McCoy was still out there on a waiver wire, or maybe Chase Daniel, um, and we could even talk about C.J. Beathard for San Francisco potentially retaking uh, the job. Now, the Niners have announced that Nick Mullins is going to start in Week 13, so Beathard isn't going to be starting this week, but based upon the way that Mullins has looked over the past couple games, Right. I can envision a scenario where Beathard gets that job back. So I, I guess we, we have Driscoll ahead of Kessler right now, but would you rather have Colt McCoy or Chase Daniel or Beathard over those two? So the way I would approach that scenario is is to base it on the offense. You know, we don't know a lot about these quarterbacks, maybe McCoy, but the other guys, there's there's limited sample sizes, things like that. So, you know, which, which offense do we have the most confidence in? Yeah. You know, Washington's quarterback has not really produced this season. Um, so if, if you have to use McCoy, I think he's okay. Um, the 49ers, you know, in spots have been good, but again, not, not a great team offense. Uh, I think Cincinnati, if, if they get A.J. Green back, that's probably the offense you want to be tethered to. Uh, you know, they've, they've got playmakers in Green and Tyler Boyd. Uh, good running back situation so that's probably the the optimal place for success for one of these guys yeah and I think the other thing that I do like a lot about Driscoll is he is a bit more of an unknown commodity Uh, we know what we're getting from Colt McCoy we're no we know what we're getting from Cody Kessler and Chase Daniel and CJ Beathard we've seen them play before this is uncharted territory for Driscoll and I think that that makes him a little bit more intriguing to me because who knows, maybe he was better than Dalton all along, and now he's given a chance. And this is how these stories start sometimes, right? I mean, you think back to Tom Brady taking over for Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. I'm not saying that Jeff Driscoll is Tom Brady. No, no one is. But uh, those are the types of narratives you can start to spin together. And, and I think yeah. – oh, go ahead. Yeah, really interesting note on that is uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, uh, who does the Air Yards uh, website, he had tweeted out at the beginning of the season, um, or maybe a little further into the season, but that – for quarterback play, the optimal time is between weeks 8 and 11 for predictability. And then in weeks like 12 through 15, you saw uh, spikes in both directions, down and up. And and I had kind of floated out there as, as a reason that that could be, is um, that that's when we start to see injuries and then rookies kind of getting the role and, and people who are being ineffective get benched. And that's what we've seen this week. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to see if that continues to play out because, you know, a guy like Driscoll could be that spike up where we, we, it's just an unknown. So, Yeah, so I think that we're both on the same page here. He's our, our number one quarterback priority if we're targeting somebody on the waiver wire. I think for me, McCoy and Kessler are pretty close together after him and, and pretty close to Driscoll, honestly. I think those three players are all 
pretty similar in value. And then it would be a wider gap to Bethard and then Chase Daniel for me. And Chase Daniel mostly because he could lose that job to Mitchell Trubisky in, in any given week going forward. The, the only way he's going to be starting is if Trubisky is hurt. And as soon as Trubisky is healthy again, or that'll be the yeah. end of Daniel. Whereas Bethard, I could see taking over that job and being serviceable again. Um, I, I think I like that San Francisco offense a little bit more than you do. I think it, you know Kyle Shanahan is a good offensive coach, and even though the quarterback is bad, like we saw what he did with Nick Mullins, uh, right. and, and he's made Bethard reasonably valuable in fantasy. Um, now, with all this said, the bigger takeaway here might just be that it's you don't need to target any of these guys because bye weeks are over, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, but Otherwise, in week 12, big picture, what stood out to you, Mike? Uh, for me, you know, I think you got to talk about Christian McCaffrey uh, being one of the first guys to go 100 and 100 in a long time. 100 receiving yards, cool. 100 rushing yards yeah. as a running back. Or I guess any player at all. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's interesting because there's a lot made of it preseason. Is he going to be the bell cow? Uh, and he showed at times this year that he, he actually is going to get that 20 to 25 touches they talked about. Yeah, I mean, especially with C.J. Anderson out of the picture now, I think that that's a great call. Yeah. He's been, he's he's one of those guys who, at first, I was really disappointed I didn't get more of him in my drafts, and then mm-hmm. as the season played out, I was like, ah, they're not using him quite the way I want to see them use him, and this week was a revelation, right? Like, this is kind of what we were hoping for the whole time, and it'll be really cool to see if he can keep this up going forward. Uh, we talked about, did we talk about Phillip Rivers? Because he was what stood out to me it just continues to to cruise straight ahead yeah we were talking about him when we mentioned melvin gordon and i just i don't know man i'm I'm continually impressed by these older quarterbacks i mean we we know the breeze is a is a wizard we know that tom brady is pretty ageless but rivers i think didn't get that type of credit coming into the season and all he's done is produce it's been really cool to see that well, yeah, he he was this year's Roethlisberger. You know, last year Roethlisberger was kind of left for dead uh, because of some of his his down weeks, and all of a sudden, you know, he people remembered, oh, he's he can actually have great weeks. And uh, Rivers is more consistent, but he's doing that this year. Yeah, I feel like a lot of guys were kind of in that boat this year. Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger again, really. I, I mean, he was Roethlisberger was a bit of a higher pick, uh, but just in general, yeah, I think Rivers is probably definitely the poster child probably definitely yep. listen to me uh <laughs> but yeah he was definitely the guy who stood out in that way the most because he was being drafted behind all those other qbs um another player who was being draft behind drafted behind all those guys was baker mayfield and his little revenge game against hugh jackson that was pretty cool too that stood out to <laughs> me as well yeah that, that, that was a the the whole browns team was getting in on throwing some shade at hugh uh i forget who the the db was that, that picked off um Dalton, but but walked over and handed Hugh the uh, the interception. That was awesome. He deserved that, man. Like, I don't know that comeuppance was was due. I think. Yeah, and you know to to go to your your in state division rival uh, the the week after getting you know let go is you know I, I hear people saying what's he supposed to do sit at home, but that just doesn't sit right. You know you can you can ride out the season. He's not hurting for money. He was getting paid that contract either way. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not a not a Hugh Jackson fan necessarily, uh, but let's let's get back to quarterbacks. Um, who was your boom of the week, Mike? The quarterback who outperformed your expectations the most in Week 12. Uh, I think it's got to either be Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield. You know, the two rookies are are finally starting to get a, a hold on their offenses. Um, you know, Allen's issue was a little bit of health related. Uh, now he's back on the field and, and 
you know, we saw that he can run. Uh, he had a really nice, uh, you know, 50 yard run, um, where he outran a lot of the Jacksonville defense that's supposed to be so athletic. Um, that's the best part of his fantasy game, it seems. I, yeah. he's, he's definitely, I mean, he's got the arm, but he doesn't necessarily have the, the QB skills to be a great passer. But what he can do on the move and with his legs is really impressive. Like he, Speaking of good athletes, he is a great athlete. It's fun to watch yeah. him run. Yeah, and you're going to see weeks like that with him. You know, There's going to be down weeks for sure. He's, he's not, you know, obviously there's the accuracy issues that are well documented. But uh, being able to get it done with your legs as a quarterback um, – translates into it's a nice fantasy floor yeah he was my choice as well the qb3 over 26 fantasy points uh, a couple other guys worth noting here um probably my second choice would have been chase daniel this is digging a little deeper but he was a qb15 with a little over 18 fantasy points and i tweeted before that thanksgiving game that you know i understand in dfs why you might want to start chase daniel because he's so cheap but in season long the only quarterback i'm going to start him over is josh allen and I mean, just think about the last two quarterbacks we talked about and how stupid I sound right now. That that was that was my tweet on Thursday morning. So good, good for NFL's me. NFL's hard to predict, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, evidenced by the fact that I keep tanking in your propaganda, man. Um, yep. A couple of names I want to throw out. Uh, Tannehill at Indianapolis was the QB 16 with about 17.5 points. That was better than I expected. And then the other guy who really jumped out to me was Dak Prescott, uh, also on Thanksgiving at home against Washington. He was the QB2 with over 27 points. And I'm curious if you think that Amari Cooper can keep this up because we've seen Cooper do this in Island games before. And then when it gets back to, you know, regular Sunday football, he kind of disappears. Now, that's kind of a silly narrative, but just in general, what are your expectations for Cooper and the Cowboys offense going forward? Uh, I think you're going to see maybe slightly more stable production out of Cooper given that he's really the only true passing threat that the Cowboys have. But, you know, for me, the Cowboys at home are, are a fairly safe bet uh, on the road. I'm not really interested in them too much. Um, you know, uh, Dak's been getting it done with his legs as well. So that, you know, that, that kind of hampers your, your, your passing uh, options a la Cam Newton, where uh, if, if, a, if your quarterback's going to run it in on a fairly consistent basis, it just eats too much of the pie from everybody else. Um, but I, I do think Amari will have games like that. You know, obviously not what he put up this past week, but uh, he's he's a deep threat. He's a good route runner. He's a great athlete. And, you know, look at that. The Cowboys got a wide receiver who can get open, and Dak Prescott suddenly looks competent. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is that they're dedicated to getting him the ball, which is something the Raiders definitely weren't. Yeah. And that's made a huge difference for him. The consistent targets, the targets from a better quarterback, uh, apologies to Derek Carr, but uh, you know, <laughs> Dak, Dak Prescott is an upgrade. And I, I think that this is something that we can kind of, I don't think we can count on huge games like this, but we can count on, like you said, just more consistent production from Amari Cooper. Mike, who is your bust of the week at quarterback? The guy who underperformed your expectations the most. That would have to be Matthew Stafford. He's the only quarterback on Thanksgiving that didn't break double digits. Even Colt McCoy uh, got double digits. I mean, heck, Taysom Hill was only six points behind him. <laughs> it, you know, that, that's for for what you know we expected out of Stafford coming into the season. It's it's been a bad year, and maybe that's just not a good marriage of of what the coaching staff wants to do now. I I, I know you know Jim Bob Cooter was retained as offensive coordinator, but. Uh, Stafford's kind of been a volume play, and, and the volume hasn't been there. Uh, the defense has 
really not uh, allowed for uh, great game scripts either. But that 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 seems like he'd be a better fit on another team to me. Uh, yeah, the the Lions aren't doing him a ton of favors either. They traded Golden Tate. Now Marvin Jones is hurt. He's on IR. And their offensive line is a complete disaster. Like, that's one of the reasons why he wasn't my pick for bust of the week. Like, he was definitely a bust. I mean, only, you know, five and a half points or whatever, QB 29, isn't helping anybody. And you would maybe hope that on Thanksgiving that the Lions would take a little bit more pride in kind of owning that day of the football season and and show up to play. But, you know, against that Bears defense, that, that just wasn't happening. And... I don't know. I, I think maybe we could have forecast some of this based upon the O-line struggles. But, yeah, you, you're right. It was a super disappointing performance for Stafford. For me, it has to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, at Minnesota, he yeah. was the QB 23 with about 12 fantasy points. And I'm sorry, based upon what we've seen other quarterbacks do against Minnesota, I understand that this is on the road and, you know, Rodgers has his own, you know, his his team around him is not necessarily the healthiest. He's not playing with – the team he maybe thought he was going to be playing with at the beginning of the year, but I, I wanted more from him in this game, and we didn't get it. Definitely, yeah, that's a, a tough place to go into, but if if you're the overall QB1, you you can't keep having weeks like he's uh, he's having with, with the team underperforming around him, and a lot of that blame rests with Mike McCarthy, and, and he's probably got one foot out the door in Green Bay if, if they have any sense. What do you think is going on with Carson Wentz in the Eagles? Because he just barely finished better than Rodgers as the QB 22, uh, you know, a little over 13 fantasy points. This isn't what we wanted from Wentz when we drafted him this offseason yeah. either. Like, what, what do you see going on there? I think it's a, it's a combination of, of multiple factors. The, the biggest ones being um, they lost a lot of smart minds from that offensive coaching staff. Uh, John DeFilippo went over to the Vikings as their offensive coordinator. Frank Reich left for the Colts head coaching job. Those are two really bright guys to have in the room. And sure, they still have Doug Peterson, and there's there's still guys on that coaching staff. But you know, in the NFL, you need every edge you can get. And when you have three, four, five guys sitting in that room, sitting in meetings, you know, putting their heads together, um, that last season's offensive production is is you know, the dream that can happen. And this season, it, it just hasn't been there. There's also really not been any consistency with, with the, the team, you know, Wentz missing the first few weeks, uh, Alshon Jeffrey missing weeks to start, um, you know, they've, they've been shuffling wide receivers all around. The running back has been a, a revolving door. Um, so, you know, it's just not been their year. Uh, the ironic thing is they're still technically not out of the playoff picture given the state of the NFC East. It's hard to see them getting it together, um, at, at least as a team perspective with, with the injuries they have on the other side of the ball. But, uh, you know, I don't know if, if Wentz is going to get it together either, though. It's it's If it hasn't happened to this point, I don't know if, if it's just going to be a lost year for them. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. And I guess I, let's let's start looking ahead. Let's look to Week 13 and and preview the upcoming slate. And before we get into you know streamer picks and clipboard holder of the week picks, let's talk big picture. Uh, mentioned that bye weeks are over; they're done with. How is your fantasy strategy affected by that? Because it does change the landscape a lot when it comes to these week to week decisions, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess you can uh, you know you can have another bench spot freed up for. A quarterback you may have been holding for uh, for your bye weeks, things like that. 
Um, you know, in a two QB league, you still have to be fairly careful though. Injuries can, can creep up on you. You really don't want to put a guy out on the waiver wire. That's, that's super useful. Um, you know, my, myself in, in the fishbowl, which is a super flex league. I am the not so proud owner of both Brock Osweiler and, uh, Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> now, Gabbert's because I have Mariota, and I needed him tonight in case I had to swap it out. But uh, there's been multiple uh, stints with, with Blaine Gabbert on my roster this season in, in the fishbowl. Yeah, I actually – this is the time of year when benches start to get really weird. And I think yeah. that in some cases, especially in Superflex, you might be able to talk yourself into getting rid of your quarterback depth. But I tend to go the other way. It's, it's, and it's based upon what you talked about, those injuries that pop up at the QB position, like what we just saw happen with Andy Dalton or with C.J. Yep. Beathard a few weeks ago. When those injuries happen now, when you know everything is really heating up for you know making the fantasy playoffs and then trying to advance through the fantasy playoffs, if you don't have a quarterback in a two QB league, you are just you're you're toast. probably boned. Yeah, you're toast. And if you if you on the other hand are hoarding the quarterback position, not only does that insulate you against being one of those guys who doesn't have a QB but it also ups the percentages of the chances of your opponents being those players who end up getting a guy hurt and and losing their quarterback and I I think that there's some game theory some strategy there about hoarding the position later in the year right now uh, that that makes a lot of sense and I think similarly you see that see this with running backs right like this is the the peak time of year for running back stashes. We, we mentioned mm-hmm. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson earlier, but basically any running back in a good offense, if their backup is unowned, now is when you need to start considering picking them up. And honestly, you probably should have been doing it a week, two weeks ago uh, yeah. to get ahead of this stuff. But I think this is, it's just a really fun time of year because this is when we have to start pushing our chips in a little more liberally, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'm curious do you always, you know, quote unquote, start your studs this time of year, or are you willing to get a little bit more creative if there's a, a matchup you feel really good about and, and you think is going to hit in a particular week? I think at this point in the season, we do have a fairly good, you know, sample size. We, we know more about the teams than we did six weeks ago, um, and you can mix and match a little bit more than you would have, you know, during the, the heart of the regular season. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not scared on that front. Typically, I'll, you know, when you say a stud, you're never going to want to really sit a, a true stud, you know, a first or second round pick. But I, I think this is a time of year that, you know, with today's NFL, anybody can have a, a big week. Anybody can have a down week. So it's a it, it's a good time to, to continue to be aggressive. Um, and, you know, you, you noted uh, as far as depth goes, um, that's one of the the biggest questions you get typically as an analyst is, you know, I'm really deep at running back or, uh, you know, I've got a backup quarterback that's really good. Should I trade them? You know, the trade deadlines are coming up this week in a lot of leagues. Um, a position of depth can, can become a problem so quickly. You know, you trade that one running back you think you didn't need, you know, one injury later. Now you've only got one running back to start and, and you're scrambling. So, I think unless you're getting an overwhelming offer, it's not smart to to make a trade out of a position of depth at this point. I think the one place you can definitely skimp on depth is at tight end. And that's, (laughs) I'm not breaking any news here, but tight end is a complete trash heap as it is every year. And so unless you have Kelsey or Ertz or Kittle, you can kind of look at most of the rest of the guys at that position as interchangeable. And, And yes, there are shades of gray there, of course, but 
if you're carrying a backup tight end right now, just stop. Like, go get a backup running back or something else instead because those types of players at tight end are going to be available to you off the waiver wire. That's just how it goes. Um, I I think this is also a time when you can start looking ahead to defenses that have good matchups in the fantasy playoffs and potentially rostering two defenses, which is something I would never advocate for early in the year. But this time of the season is, is when you can start to consider those Kind right. of. And, and like you said, you're, you're also blocking that guy who's been streaming defenses. If you look a week or two ahead, yeah, you know, it, it, like if you would have a week ago grabbed the Ravens, this is a great week to to have the Ravens and the guy streaming is left high and dry. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually got ahead of that last week. I picked up the Buffalo Bills defense because they have a really nice schedule coming up, and their defense has been playing really well. I yeah, especially if. I'm, I have Houston as well, so I'm not sure how often I'm going to be benching Houston to play the Bills. But at the same time, like you said, I'm blocking other owners from using the Bills against me. And so I, I, I feel pretty good about my position players, you know, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, that I can start to shave those margins on depth at wide receiver, depth at tight end to gain a little bit of an advantage at the defensive spot. And I, I know that not everybody plays with defense anymore, but... That's this is one of the times of year when I'm kind of thankful for kickers and defense for that reason because there's just a little more you know flexibility and interchangeability you can have in the yeah. way you approach your matchups and I, I find that stuff interesting that's why I'm there's been a big discussion on Twitter you know the past couple of days about getting rid of kickers I know that Matthew Barry basically tweeted out a giant poll that said you know for the standard ESPN game next year do you want kickers in it or not? And it was pretty close. It was almost 50-50. Where do you come down on that, Mike? I'm curious. Do you like having kickers in defenses? Uh, so could you do I, without them? I definitely don't want kickers. Uh, <laughs> defenses I'm more okay with. And and I, I think the unpredictability argument is a flawed one because, you know, we've talked about enough people this show that it's there's just not that much predictability in the NFL game itself. Um, yeah, obviously those two positions are, are the the harder out of all the positions we roster. Uh, my issue with kickers is opportunity. You you can't project opportunity uh, for kickers. You know most other positions, you can say a quarterback's going to get roughly X amount of attempts. Uh, running back should get this many rushes, this many targets. Receiver this many targets. Um, you know you can forecast opportunity fairly well for everything but kickers. Uh, that's just kind of a a crapshoot is, you know, are, is the offense going to stall out in this window between, you know, the, the the five and the 30 yard line and have the optimal spot to kick a field goal? Oh, see, I, I disagree with you here. I think that that is somewhat predictable and definitely more so than defense and defensive matchups, uh, if only because, I, I mean, it's, it's not, you're right, it's not an exact science, but it's kind of like predicting wins in fantasy baseball where... Mm-hmm. You're targeting specific types of offenses and specific types of matchups when you're trying to pick the right kickers. And I don't know, I I find it, one, fascinating, and two, that I'm relatively good at it. Like, I I generally, in the Fantasy Pros rankings accuracy, I do well ranking kickers. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm pretty good at parsing that stuff out. Now, if you ask me to, like, write a manifesto on how to rank kickers and how to pick the right ones, maybe (laughs) it wouldn't come out. Like, it is kind of a feel game. It's just something you're born with, Greg. I guess so. I mean, it's just in my genes. What can I say? But (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. But it's one of those things where I feel like there is a method to the madness. Do you know what I mean? Like, you would look at certain types of offenses that have a, a good quarterback or a decent quarterback but not a great one, and you're 
often what you're looking for is is the right script based upon the opponent. You're looking for like you don't want the kicker going up against Drew Brees or uh, the Chiefs or the Rams because there's a good chance that like the running backs on the opposing teams, the kickers might just get scripted out of the game where like right. in the third and fourth quarter, a team might be more likely to go for it on a fourth down or go for two because they're chasing points. And if you can avoid kickers based upon that sort of stuff, I, I think that that's, that is forecastable to some extent based upon a, a more, I guess, holistic view of a team and a matchup. So I, I, I disagree yeah. with you there. And, and, you know, if it's something you enjoy, that's what fantasy is about. So, like, I, you know, don't feel pe- – people feel pressured like they have to get rid of kickers. Like, if your league likes it, totally stick with it. Um, I'm not a fan of requiring it. I'm a huge fan of having it as an option, though. Uh, so uh, for Fantasy Cares, um, I believe it was John Bosch organized a bunch of eliminator leagues where you were really the only position you're required to have is quarterback. And then everything else is wide open. You've got seven other starting spots. Um, you can use kickers, defenses, however, whatever combination, you know, it's a best ball, but whatever combination you put together. Uh, so you could be starting four defenses in a week, four kickers in a week. Um, I find that really fascinating and that I really like because once you take away the requirement, I actually get interested in kickers again. John Bosch, quarterbacks? What? Really? <laughs> Go back and listen to uh, the two-a-day that I did with John uh, back in the preseason, and you will find out exactly how much that dude loves the quarterback position. Uh, We got sidetracked. Uh, Let's get back to the Week 13 preview, and I guess this is more of a a rest-of-season preview, but I'm curious what you're doing with Lamar Jackson because he's a really unique fantasy player in how he scores, you know, mostly with his legs, right? Where Mm -hmm. do you rank him rest-of-season among quarterbacks? So if we didn't have to worry about Joe Flacco, I, I think, you know, right around 10 you know, somewhere in the 10 to 15 range, um, you know, they, they don't have a, that tough of a schedule. It, it, you would expect him to rush somewhere in that, you know, 50 to 75 rushing yards per, per game range with passing yards, maybe the occasional passing or rushing touchdown. Um, so a nice floor. Uh, the problem is I think Flacco's probably going to force the issue. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's just going to go quietly into the night He's going to want to get back on the field, and they're probably going to do this whole, you know, Joe gets this series, Lamar gets this series. They'll keep running the, uh, you know, the gimmicky thing where Lamar's in at quarterback and, and Joe Flacco stands out at wide receiver and doesn't take a single step. I mean, is there anyone out there who, who hates their job more than Joe Flacco when he has to <laughs> go out and split out wide? You can just see the disdain in his body language. Um, so I think that turns into a messy situation. See, I don't know how they can go back to him at this point because it's not like they were really doing that well with him. It's not like they've been great with him over the past couple of years. He has that no. cachet built up from when he won the Super Bowl, but I, I'm sorry, like Lamar Jackson's the future. You got to keep playing that dude. And I, but I, but I agree that the risk of Flacco taking back that role is I mean, is going to be there all season. We can't avoid that. Uh, I think that the range you pinpointed is is close to where I would have him. You said ten to fifteen. I said. Uh, in my notes, I have 12 to 16. I think he's definitely behind, you know, the heavy hitters, Breeze, Mahomes, Newton, Luck. And I think I'd probably still have him behind Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Jameis Winston, and, and Winston mostly based upon schedule and the way that his offense works. Mm-hmm. And then you have to start talking about Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. Like, so there are a lot of guys who are just more trustworthy at this point, And 
I, I don't know. It's it's really hard. I mean, that's why I put the question on the notes. I, I don't really have a great feel for it, and I like to you know bounce ideas off people. Yeah. Spe- specific to to Wilson, what would you like? How would you rate Lamar Jackson relative to Russell Wilson? Because Wilson has the efficiency. He doesn't have the volume though, and he's not running like he did in seasons past. Right. Where would you like? Which of those guys would you rather have the rest of the year? I think it would still have to be Wilson. I mean, he, he's still a very good quarterback, despite you know the their play calling issues in Seattle. You know, they, they, they've gone back to the '90s style offense. Um, he's figured out a way to get it done uh, in the middle part of the season here. He's starting to come on. You know, maybe maybe they all just had to get used to each other. Uh, the offensive line is improved from last season. They've got a little bit of a running game finally. So I think Wilson um, is is the slight slight slightly ahead of, of Lamar Jackson, given that Jackson probably isn't going to play a full contingent of snaps. Were there any other quarterbacks that I just listed there? I, I mean, guys who I, maybe listeners would be surprised to hear that you would rather have Jackson than does that does that question make sense? Yeah, and I don't think so. Uh, you know, you're not going to see a 30 point game out of Lamar Jackson. I just don't think the the passing upside is there this season. Uh, jumping in, in, into the offense in the middle of the year like this, especially building chemistry, that that hasn't happened. Um, you know, maybe he flukes into a double rushing touchdown game and adds a passing touchdown, but you know, he's probably limited to one rushing, one passing touchdown in any given game. Um, even if he is the full-time starter now with that said we can you mentioned the floor that he gives you we can pretty safely assume he's going to be a qb2 in most weeks that he starts at at bare minimum right like we we expect him to finish in the top 20 at the position i i guess does that kind of take him out of streamer consideration for you like at this point i would expect him to be owned in pretty much all leagues even one quarterback leagues and mm-hmm. at that point do you think he still deserves some amount of like streamer status you know if Flacco does come back this week uh I would expect Jackson to to be dropped by a fair amount of people um so you know I, I think he's an okay stash because with what what it sounds like Flacco is dealing with you know one hit and, and he could be right back on the sidelines and, and Jackson's back in there doing his thing as, as a option quarterback. Um, you know, what kind of compounds the, the Baltimore issue is that you've got a head coach in, in John Harbaugh. Uh, he's kind of fighting for his job. So he's got to make the playoffs here and, and, and win some playoff games. Lamar Jackson is the optimal play for the future. Um, whether Harbaugh agrees with that or not, we'll find out. And, and whether he thinks Lamar Jackson can get him, you know, wins this season as well. You know, it's it, it was a new GM who picked uh, who picked Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if when Flacco is healthy enough to play, if he goes to more of a split. You know, like you said, one series for this guy, one series for the other guy. I, I'm, it's a really interesting situation altogether, and I'm I'm I don't really like watching the Ravens play, no. uh, and. This has kind of changed that. I'm, I'm definitely more interested in their team and how they, you know, deploy those two quarterbacks going forward. Um, who do you want to deploy as your streamer of the week at quarterback, Mike? Who is that low-end QB2 or QB3 type who owners wouldn't always start, but in week 13, uh, they're looking good to you? Yeah, I want to mention Baker Mayfield. I mean, you're, you're 
starting him if you own him probably, but I, I think he has a really great matchup going into Houston. Uh, I don't think the Texans are anywhere near as good of a team as their record indicates. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of plays run in that matchup. Um, so that that's just a really good spot. And Baker's been been coming on really strong, especially since getting rid of Hugh and, and Todd Haley. Um, you know, he's cut the interceptions out. The offensive line's gotten a little stronger. They've got a running game again. But Chase Daniel would be my guy if uh, Mr. Binsky is out again. You know, he showed he's he's able to come in, step into that role uh, as facilitator. He's, he's good, probably good for a couple touchdowns. Not not a tough matchup with the Giants this week. They're they're just about done uh, for the season. They're going to be packing it in here pretty soon and, and and testing out some new faces probably on that side of the ball. Yeah, I like that. You're buying into the team of the Bears, not necessarily buying into Chase Daniel. And like you said, the Giants, while they've been okay against quarterbacks, uh, about 16.7 points per game, uh, which is 22nd in the league. But, it's, I mean, it's middle of the pack. I mean, that's, that's fine. The average weekly finish against the Giants is QB 16.7, uh, also 22nd in the NFL. Uh, about 27% of games against the Giants result in a top 10 finish for the opposing quarterback. So there, there's a bit of a ceiling there. That's not a great percentage, but it, you have a shot with Chase Daniel. And, and we know that you know Jordan Howard is in any great shakes, so they're, they're still going to be benefited by running the ball. I mean, excuse me, by passing the ball a little bit more than they run it, even with Daniel at QB. So that's, that's a good one. He was on my list, but my pick would probably be Case Keenum at Cincinnati. And the Bengals have quietly been the best possible matchup for quarterbacks this season. Like yeah. We've talked a lot about the Chiefs and some other uh, defenses that we like to target, like the Buccaneers. But uh, the Bengals have allowed more points per game to the quarterback position than any other team, uh, about 23.5 points per game. Uh, 55% of the games against them result in the top 10 finish. 91% result in the top 20 finish. So you're basically guaranteed a top 20 starter uh, when you start a quarterback against Cincinnati. Average weekly finish against them is QB 9.0. So uh, that's pretty, pretty nice. And I... I'm not in love with Keenum. I think that he's a pretty flawed player, uh, but this is the week to use him if you you know need uh, a cheaper quarterback. Yep. And in general, the remaining schedule for him is, is pretty soft, so if he did get dropped in your league for some reason, uh, your two-quarterback format, then he is a good guy to go after, and I, I think that you can uh, maybe even use him for more than one game down the stretch here. I'm curious what you think about Cortland Sutton, Mike. Do you think that maybe finally he can break out now that Jeff Hireman is on the IR? <laughs> I've been waiting for it. Uh, you know, I, I, he was one of my top dynasty grabs at wide receiver. Um, he's been pressed into action in, on a couple of those teams. And, you know, while there's been some production, uh, I, I was expecting more touchdowns by this point. Obviously, he's hampered by the offense as a whole and, and you know, Keenum with some of his drawbacks. But, um, as you mentioned, the the Bengals are just a garbage team. Their defense is, is really bad. Uh, so if you can't get it done against them, there's not much hope. Do you think that Josh Allen can keep it rolling at Miami? Uh, the Dolphins haven't been a great matchup, about 16.5 points per game allowed to the QB position. Uh, that's 24th in the NFL. Average weekly finish against them is QB 17.1. I just don't know if normal matchup stats apply when we're talking about Allen just because of how many points he gets on the ground. So that's what he's going to need to do. The thing that that Miami does is they play at a snail's place. They they, they grind the game to a halt. They're one of the the slowest teams. Uh, Even if if they're trailing, they just refuse to come out of their shell. Um, 
which it, you know we thought Adam Gase was was an offensive genius, and it turns out just having a Hall of Fame quarterback was what he, uh, <laughs> was his calling card. That helps. Uh, so you know that that hurts the other side. You know the offense, the other offense just won't get to run as many plays. Um, and, you know the, the Bills aren't particularly uh, a quick team on in their own right. Um, so yeah, you know if he can bring that rushing back. Um, that wouldn't surprise me this week. Miami does have a, a, a their secondary is you know probably the strength of their defense. They can be run on. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if Deshaun McCoy is is the guy to play this week. It's it's a plus matchup, but he's had a really inconsistent year. The rushing may come from Josh Allen. I'm gonna throw a few other names out here, and you just tell me which one you like best. We we kind of touched on this with our you know our, our potential waiver pickups earlier in the show, but. Jeff Driscoll at home against Denver, uh, Cody Kessler at home against Indianapolis, and Colt McCoy on the road at Philly. And of those three, Philadelphia has actually been the best matchup for quarterbacks. But I I don't know about you. I think I would rather use Driscoll. And and we talked about him being our preferred guy to pick up. Would he be your preferred guy to stream as well this week? I I would say yes. Uh, Denver's been a pretty bad defense in their own right. You know, the, the days of the no-fly zone are, are well behind us. Um, they're, they're bottom 10 in both you know, run and pass defense. So uh, it's, it's, not a, uh, it's not a hard ask to, to get some points against them. Um, the, the one interesting thing with Cody Kessler, though, is, is Indy uh, is really clicking on all cylinders and scoring points, running a lot of plays. Andrew Luck throws three touchdowns every single week. Um, and, uh, you know, that's going to probably result in more attempts for Kessler than you, you probably would have expected. Yeah. Well, especially if, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Wow. Why am I blanking on the running back's name? I almost called him LeGarrette Blunt, but his name is Leonard Fournette. Fournette. Yes. <laughs> wow. It, it is getting a little late for me in this East coast yep. podcasting world. So, uh, again, apologies for the brain farts, but yeah, I think that with him suspended, you, they're going to have to throw more. And yep. he's appealing the suspension. Who knows how that goes? I don't, I don't understand how he thinks he can get that suspension <laughs> repealed. But, uh, yeah, I think that maybe we'll see more TJ Yeldon, more of those kind of short, quick passes. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily going to translate to a lot of fantasy production. But you're right. If the pace is there, if the attempts are there, then Kessler could be a decent volume option. I just, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, we've, we've touched on this a couple times. You really... At this point in the year, you probably should have better options than any of these guys we're throwing out. These are desperation plays for the most part, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, let's go the other way. Who's your clipboard holder of the week? This is the QB who you would normally start, but you're going to avoid in week 13. Yeah, we, we touched on his struggles earlier, but it's Carson Wentz. The, the offense just isn't right. Uh, like I said, inconsistencies, personnel, turnover, uh, and and loss of uh, some some sharp minds uh, on that coaching staff has really kind of sunk their season so um the, you know washington is a a good team against quarterbacks generally um not uh, not gonna start wentz which which probably hurts this week given that he probably spent some draft capital on him yeah the washington defense has been an interesting one because they've allowed a lot of big games but they don't like the floor against them is pretty low they've 
allowed 46% of quarterbacks to finish top 10, but only 55% of quarterbacks they faced to finish top 20 against them. So I, that's probably more indicative of the actual, the, the specific quarterbacks that they've played more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that shows you that their defense can be pretty good. And it makes sense. They have Josh Norman. Um, but, but getting back to Wentz, what do you think the odds are that this Golden Tate trade has been more of a problem for them than a, a benefit? Because it seems like they're trying to get him involved to a fault you know what i mean like they're they're generating yeah. targets for him when I, I don't know maybe they would have been better off just trying to implement more of dallas goddard and and using the guys that were mm-hmm. there all off season learning the playbook and all that stuff like th- this seems like a, a, a suspicious or like a, a curious move to me to to go get golden tate and try to jam him into the offense immediately like i feel like he needs more time to get acclimated but right. the eagles just don't have that luxury how what do you think's the situation there I think it's a case of the front office and Howie Roseman not fully understanding, you know, the the tactical portion of football. It's really hard for a wide receiver to change teams midseason. You're, you're learning a new playbook. You've got to develop, you know, a rapport, a comfort level with the quarterback. Um, you know, get timing down. It's just not easy to do. Um, and you know, I, I think Howie saw a good value. Uh, they're really only giving up one round. Um, you know, they sh- if, if Golden Tate walks, they should get a fourth-round compensatory pick. So in his head, he wasn't giving up a third-round pick. He was only, you know, trading a, th- a you know third a third a round for Tate and a fourth. Um, and it's just, you know, it was too good of a value. He may have also been wanting to block some of the teams in the division, like Dallas, who, you know, they, they knew they were mm-hmm. in the, the market for a receiver. Um it could get there by the end of the year, but it, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, so you know, it's it's uh, it, and there's been there's been talk in in the local media. I'm in the Philly area, and you know, they the offensive staff is saying it's been hard to incorporate Golden Tate, which is kind of a head scratcher because, <laughs> I, I mean, he's he's an underneath receiver. He's a great athlete. You know, it's not like he's got to run these really elaborate, complicated routes. Like you just run crossing routes with Golden Tate and feed him the ball five yards from the line of scrimmage, let him do his thing. Yeah, I was actually just up in the Philly area for Thanksgiving uh, with my wife's family and overheard uh, during the weekend was, I think they should go back to Foles. So that's that's not a good <laughs> sign. Uh, and it backs up your pick. That's Philly really fans for you. I know, right? It, that backs up your pick of Wentz as, as the clipboard holder of the week, at least this week. Uh, for me, I'm actually going to go against your streamer of the week. I'm going to say Baker Mayfield is my clipboard holder of the week. Uh, I, he's been great. Don't get me wrong. But I think that Houston defense is a little bit better than you're giving them credit for. They've been pretty good at stifling fantasy production to the quarterback position. Uh, only 15.3 fantasy points per game, which is 28th in the NFL. Uh, only 20% of games against them have resulted in top 10 finishes for the QBs. Uh, and only half the games have been top 20 against them. Average weekly finish against the Texans is QB 19, which is uh, second worst in the NFL. So on the road, rookie quarterback, I think this is a spot where maybe we see that Houston defense get going. And we're, we're seeing that tonight with them, uh, you know, taking down the Titans. It's, I think, currently 24 to 10 as we're recording. So uh, he's my pick of the week. Now, with that said, we've talked about how football is a hard to predict game. or and And this is the type of player, you know, Baker Mayfield, a guy who... If he's as good as he's supposed to be, maybe he can transcend this matchup. So uh, maybe maybe you can put a, a Baker Mayfield prop on Propagandan, and uh, I can go, <laughs> I can go against him. You can go with oh. him, and we'll see how it works out. 
I'll troll you with a special prop uh, with, with this uh, matchup. I mean, my, my only retort to that would be that the uh, the Texans have not exactly had a who's who of quarterbacks to face, especially lately. So sure, um, take that with a, with a little bit of a grain of salt. So I want to throw out a couple other names here and take your temperature. I, I think one guy we can kind of just gloss over real quick is Matthew Stafford. He's going to be at home, but he's going against the Rams. And while the Rams have given up a decent production amount to quarterbacks I, I just I don't see Stafford holding up against Aaron Donald in that Rams defensive line I think that he's gonna they're gonna eat those Lions uh O-linemen alive and so I think that he's a guy who you can definitely avoid this week but the other one I'm curious about is Tom Brady at home against Minnesota and the Vikings have quietly turned things around here on defense and we need to keep in mind that Brady is only the QB 16 in points per game. He hasn't topped 20 fantasy points since week seven. Now, to be fair to Brady, uh, that was the first week that Rob Gronkowski missed due to injury this season. Uh, Gronk did play again in week eight, but he didn't do much. Uh, eight targets, three receptions, 43 yards, no touchdowns. But then Gronk missed the following two games before just returning this past week. So maybe everything will be fine for Brady now that Gronkowski is back. But I think that he's tougher to trust than usual against Minnesota because the Vikings have held opposing quarterbacks to under 15 fantasy points in six straight games. And that includes games against Drew Brees, although that was admittedly a little fluky, but also against Aaron Rodgers, which was not so fluky. So what are you doing with this matchup? What are you doing with Tom Brady? Because he's been a pretty major disappointment for the two QB drafters who took him early. Yeah, he's another guy who, who just, you know, the, the revolving door of personnel has jumped up a bit. You know, a, a lack of consistency is a huge problem for NFL offenses. Uh, you know, the, with injuries, suspensions, uh, they've had the same thing with, with the Eagles. You know, running backs have been, uh, you know, they're, they're using Cordell Patterson in spots here. So uh, not uh, it, things have not gone according to plan for New England. That said, Tom Brady, uh, he's he's too consistent. You know, the, a lot of people sat him this week, got got a little too cute with it, and you know, uh, definitely regretted it. Uh, I remember one guy uh, mentioning he sought ta- Tom Brady for Nick Mullins. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that looks particularly foolish uh, in, in retrospect. Um, I mean, I'm a Mullins truther, but you wouldn't see me doing that for Brady. I, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's ugly, man. That's a little too risque. Yeah, it's that time of year where you know you're you're getting frustrated with certain players that that have underwhelmed consistently, and you start to do rash things, and that typically leads to bad things in, in the fantasy world. You want to just take it as a case by case basis, make your projections, and and use who you think the best player is uh, on the whole. Don't don't let uh, biases creep in if if possible. All right, I got a couple other names I want to throw out here as potential clipboard holders, and these would be more contrarian picks. So I think in general you're going to be starting these guys in most of your leagues. But mm-hmm. Russell Wilson against San Francisco. Now, I this is a good matchup for quarterbacks against the Niners, but could we perhaps see a running back takeover for Seattle? Like we know they want to run the ball as much as possible. This might be the matchup where their dreams come true, right? They could run on – 70% of the plays against the Niners. I think this is probably getting too cute, but that's one player. And the other is Dak Prescott at home against New Orleans. And the Saints have given up uh, you know, a lot of production to quarterbacks too, but I just don't know if the Cowboys are built to take advantage of garbage time the same way that other teams would be against the Saints. 
with that said, Prescott's rushing ability probably quells any of those concerns. I, again, I, I don't think we're benching any of these guys, either of these guys in our leagues, but is there maybe reason to fade these two in DFS? What do you think? I can see both cases. I'm really interested on the Cowboys-Saints matchup. That The Saints have been really solid against rushing attacks uh, yep. all season. Not exactly sure why. In the beginning, it may have been because they were just giving up so many passing yards. Um well, game, game script does it too, right? Like if they're yeah. leading by so much, they're going to drive teams to pass and not run the ball, and that inherently, you know, crushes rushing attacks. But, but yeah, go ahead. Right. Sorry, I cut you off. Right. So you know, it'll be interesting to see that. That's kind of the the two focal points of of Dallas's offense is is rushing the ball with Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott creating plays with his legs. So you know, it, does does that continue this week? Uh, the Saints as well aren't as good on the road but they're they're indoors here and down in jerry world and um you know really really clicking on all cylinders i mean they, they didn't even have to use their playmakers last week uh pretty much all, all of your saints were disappointing in, on uh, on thanksgiving day and then uh as far as wilson goes uh, i'm just having visions of that uh i think it was nine to six victory last season uh, the first time they played <laughs> yeah you know it's in that that, that NFC West it, division mashups are hard to win no matter what, and you know when you when you play a team twice a year, strange things can happen. Uh, so, sure, it should be a good matchup. They they should win this game easily, but maybe the Niners get rallied here uh, behind Nick Mullins. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's probably too cute to bench either of those guys. But, you know, maybe you have some embarrassment of riches at quarterback. Like maybe someone dropped Jameis Winston, you picked up Jameis Winston, and you already also had Drew Brees, right? Like in that scenario, I could see benching Russell Wilson or benching Dak Prescott to play your other two quarterbacks. Uh, what One other name to throw out here, uh, Matt Ryan at home against Baltimore. And Baltimore's defense, they've definitely slowed down, you know, in the second half of the season. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're still pretty solid against the quarterback position. Uh, 16 points per game about, which is 24th in the NFL. Only about 60 per, 64% of games against the Ravens result in a top 20 finish. So we know that Matt Ryan and the Falcons have some issues blocking up front as well. I, I could see this being a game where maybe Baltimore's pass rush gets going a little bit. And let me put it to you this way. Matt Ryan versus Baker Mayfield. Who would you rather start this week? Probably Baker. I think Atlanta could run into the same problem they did against the Cowboys if Lamar Jackson is the starter. Uh, you know, that means there's going to be a lot of rushing, a lot of ball control by the Ravens and not allow Atlanta to, to open up the offense the way they would like to. Yeah, that makes sense. And I actually have to make that decision in one of my leagues. I mean, um, Sal Stefanelli, uh, my partner at 2QBs, uh, we share a team in one of Mike Clay's going deep leagues. Uh, these are super flex uh, you know, really hard fought with a lot of starting positions and really short benches. Uh, we have Breeze and Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield. And I started Matt Ryan over Baker this past week, and it did not work out for me. So, uh, <laughs> uh, like you said, like it, we're starting to get frustrated. Maybe we make some rash decisions, but I'm with you. I think that this week it might make more sense to start Baker, but I, I don't know. I just I, I do have that fear of the Houston matchup. I think I, I'm worried about that more than you are. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think the Ravens are, are that tough of a matchup. I, I think early in the season they benefited from some of the teams they played. They're a good defense, but 
uh, I think their big weeks are coming against lesser competition. When they face a competent offense, it's it's their more middle of the road. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm still probably going to start Matt Ryan, but there is that you know that shiny that that appeal of shiny new things with Baker Mayfield, and I I don't know. I I think Matt Ryan being at home in this matchup makes me a little bit more prone to starting him, but. Um, I still got a few days to make that decision, thankfully. Uh, Mike, what else are you looking forward to on the Week 13 slate? Uh, I'm really looking forward to Chiefs-Raiders. That, that's a great rivalry. Uh, you know, just not having the Chiefs this past week was, was felt by a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of my teams especially. Um, and and I, I think that game could be a bit of a shootout as well. I, I know the Raiders aren't going to get much credit, um, and rightfully so. But at home, the, the Chiefs, you know, they're going to score points, obviously. And you know, Derek Carr is either a great quarterback or a terrible quarterback in, in any given week. And maybe this is the week that he's a great quarterback. Nah, I think he's probably just terrible. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that Browns-Texans game, which we've mentioned ad nauseum. But I just I really like this idea of pitting two of you know the brightest young QBs against each other in Mayfield and Watson. I'm also looking forward to Vikings at Patriots because – they're both kind of flawed teams working towards the playoffs. They're trying to get better, trying to improve and kind of get that swagger back. I think that's a, a fascinating matchup. And, you know, one of them has to lose, right? I mean, we're not going to get a third tie, are we? Maybe you could prop that. Um, <laughs> and then the last one is Char- I, I floated oh. that the uh, the second time the Steelers and the Browns played. I said, we'll go to overtime. No, <laughs> nobody bid on it. <laughs> and then the last game that's uh, caught my eye is Chargers at Steelers. Like, this is the, the Plaxico Burris Bowl, just to see which team is officially best at shooting themselves in the foot. I think that's... <laughs> That's that's one of those games where it's like it seems like every week one of those teams finds a way to screw up their game and I, yep. I mean the Steelers the aforementioned tie like losing this past week to the Broncos and I I just I, they're they're flummoxing man I, I watch them play and I just don't understand why they aren't crushing teams week in and week out like they have the talent like what is going yeah. on with Pittsburgh do you have any thoughts on that Yeah they're another one of those teams that that wins all these close games and. Uh... You know, it's it, you just can't live like that in the NFL. I, obviously, you can't crush every opponent, but um, when you see a team like Pittsburgh or, or the Texans, who have so many two-point and three-point wins, like, that just catches up to you. Um, same thing with, with Washington. They, you know, they, they, they lost their starting quarterback, so they kind of offsets, but it's catching up with them all the close games that they played, and, and their their records starting to slip away. All right, Mike, last thing before we go, give me a bold prediction for Week 13. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be a top three QB this week. He, he continues to get, you know, not enough respect. He's a great quarterback, um, and, you know, the, the, the Pats are not a very good defense. At home, they should score points and, and require uh, Minnesota to answer back. So I'm going to lean into something that you brought up earlier, and I'm going to say that the Jaguars upset the Colts this week, that you know these moves and firings and whatnot are going to light a fire under the team, and that Cody Kessler is going to be a top 15 fantasy QB. Not a bad one. Yeah. A little, definitely not something I, I believe in fully, but that's why it's a bold prediction. <laughs> wouldn't be bold if it didn't scare you that's right mike i really want to thank you for for taking the time to come on the show tonight and and you know bearing with me and my weird scheduling quirks uh, based around this work trip uh anything you want to plug before we get out of here yeah so you can catch the weekly propagating article fridays on rasball.com uh, you can participate in it if, if you're into props it's only a dozen they're, they're quick and easy you 
you don't have to do much research if you just want to shoot from the hip. And then uh, all my work at Lineup Logic. If you're into DFS, you can check us out there. Uh, you know, you can get a subscription through Patreon, and uh, you know, get to get winning on the DFS front as well. And probably the best way to find all that stuff from Mike is to follow him on Twitter at roto underscore one. Uh, that's W A N. And uh, yeah, if you want to follow two QBs on Twitter, we're at T W O Q B S. Uh, you can send questions to us there on Twitter or uh, by email, 2QBs at gmail.com, spelled the same way uh, with no numbers. It's all letters. Uh, if you can rate and review the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. Uh, it really helps me out, helps me spread the word to new listeners and kind of you know build this 2QB community we've got going. It's, it's one of the best in the fantasy world. And uh, I think I talked about this uh, a couple shows ago, but I, I feel like we are we're getting to the point where uh, we can start talking about maybe – to QB becoming the standard, or at least Superflex becoming the standard. Like, we're seeing Matthew Berry tweet about getting rid of t- kickers. Like, maybe I'll have to bend his ear a little bit and see uh, if I can get him to uh, get a Superflex tweet out there, too, because it really is the best way to play. And I appreciate you all for, uh, you know, tuning in and listening to this and, and, and being a part of our little subset of the community. And, um, yeah, th- thank you very much. And uh, until next time, uh, good luck in Week 13. Adios. Adios.